0: Welcome to the IanAbenethi.com podcast. In this edition, we will be discussing street fighting. Hello everyone, I'm Ian Abernethy. Uh, Before we get into the meat of this month's podcast, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, one is that I've set up a online weekly newspaper, uh, Practical Karate Weekly, which picks up uh, all I've put out during the week and uh, feeds from uh, other people whose material I, I know you'll like. So that comes out every Thursday. Uh, you can be notified via uh, Facebook, so that's facebook.com forward slash Ian Abernethy or via Twitter which is at Ian Abernethy, so if you follow me at either one of those places you'll get informed as soon as a a new edition comes out. So it's been running for a few weeks now and seems to be quite popular, so check that out. And you can subscribe as well if you like, so that you uh, automatically get sent an email every time a new edition comes out. So uh, check out Facebook and Twitter for information on those. Uh, On the seminar side of things, uh, plenty coming up. Um now uh, this is good news for me um bad news for others i guess but i'm now fully booked for the whole of uh, this year uh, and 2014 i'm now taking bookings for 2015 so if you are wanting me to to visit your dojo um it's important that you you know you do act quickly because there's quite a long uh, waiting list there uh, there now Um, Also, as well, just so you know, we have set up uh, residential courses throughout uh, 2014, we've got two or three of those, which are small gatherings, we've booked out a farm, this farm has this dojo, there's no one there but us, Uh, we've got like 12 people, 12 students, uh, doing a full kind of four days of uh, training there, so... Um, they look to be quite popular as well, a chance for in-depth training and you know making new friends and things, it should be fun. Uh, if you're interested in those, uh, we have a waiting list for them as well, so if you can drop me an email at, ian at com, if you're interested in uh, being put on the waiting list for the residentials as well and we'll, we'll keep you in the loop because uh, so far places have been snapped up uh, uh, very quickly. And uh, the final bit uh, of this introduction is just to remind people that my good friend Chris Wilder and myself will be doing a joint seminar on the 16th and 17th of November. And if you go to com, click on the seminar date section, you can find information on that. There's a, a few places left, but you're going to have to act uh, quick if you if you want those. And if you've never trained with Chris, you know I'd highly recommend that you you do. And um, if you're into practical karate, we can promise you a fun weekend there. So yeah, so that's the kind of the, the news item. So this month we're going to discuss uh, street fighting. In particular, we're looking at the term, what the term means and some of the problems that it can uh, that it can give us. Um, so yeah, uh, no further ado, we'll get straight into the main meat of this month's podcast, which is looking at the term street fighting. In this podcast, I want to look at the term street fight and what connotations, both intentional and unintentional, the use of that term can have. In recent years, I've been making a concerted effort to get stricter and stricter with my terminology when teaching. I feel this is important because loose terminology can lead to confusion and misunderstandings. You know, as examples, uh, the Marshall Map podcast, which is one of the most popular podcast we've done, uh, in that podcast I discussed how it is vital not to mistake fighting, martial arts and self-protection as being one of the same. We discussed how these things are related, but we also covered the problems that can occur when one area is mistaken to be the same as another. And if you've not heard that podcast, you can find it on iTunes or com. So in addition to the careful use of these broad labels, I also feel it's important to differentiate between opponents who we'd be facing in a consensual fight, and enemies, who seek to harm us through non-consensual violence. In the past, I, like many others, was happy to use terms like assailant, enemy, opponent, attacker, etc. pretty much interchangeably, um, but I now regard that as a mistake, because I feel this can help blur important distinctions in the mind of students. And I will try and avoid using assailant or attacker, because both infer a defensive mindset. The bad guy attacks us or assails us and we react to that. This is potentially problematic in my view. I am of the firm belief that awareness, avoidance, de-escalation and escape are infinitely better options than physical conflict. So by using terms like attacker, we are inadvertently assuming they are already in a position to attack. Whereas what we really want to encourage is actions and behaviour that ensure we are not in a position to be attacked in the first place. We do our best to ensure that we are never in a position to be attacked and that the enemy is never in a position to become the attacker. Uh, for the situations that can't be avoided, the term attacker still does not work as it infers that preemption is not an option. When we are convinced that a physical response is unavoidable, then we must seize the initiative and use the opportunity it creates to escape. Preemption is one of the few things that works with consistency. And it's dangerous not to seize that opportunity, as relinquished advantage can uh, have extremely severe consequences. Now, some karate have an issue with hitting first, as it would seem to be against the well-established dictate of there is no first attack in karate. I mean, this is not the case, however. A striking first and then fleeing is a tactic advised in the writings of Funakoshi, Motobu, Mabuni, and all are clear that no first attack in karate is meant to be a moral and ethical instruction not a tactical one. It means we are never the cause of the violence. However if we are forced into a position of having to avoid the violence of others then striking first and escaping is the best way to do that. Also to quote Mabuni as an example, you know Mabuni said when faced with someone who disrupts the peace or who will do one harm one is as a warrior in battle and so it only stands to reason that one should seize the initiative and preempt the enemy's use of violence. Such action in no way goes against the precept of no first attack. The expression no first attack in Karate should be properly understood to mean that the can must never take a hostile attitude or be the cause of a violent incident. He or she should always have the virtues of calmness, prudence and humility in dealing with others. You know, so from that we can see that no first attack in Karate is a—it's uh, about the way we conduct ourselves. It's an ethical and a moral instruction. It's not a tactical one. And Maboon is quite clear that the tactic should be, you know, preempt the enemy's use of violence. You know, we tactically intervene, we strike first. Now, the term attacker is therefore problematic, as it infers it's the criminal who attacks, and not the person who is legitimately trying to keep themselves safe from harm. Uh, Opponent is also a term I prefer not to use now, because I feel it infers the consent one would have for a uh, a fight or a square go. We have opponents in sporting contexts and consensual fights and the mindset and mythology uh, for consensual fights is not what we need for self-protection situations. The last thing we want is a fight. Now as I've said before fighting is what happens when self-protection goes wrong. Uh, I now find the best term to use is enemy because it does not have connotations of being defensive in action or in mindset, nor does it suggest the the consent we would normally afford to an opponent. So I mean, that's a quick overview of some of the other terms I now try to avoid and the reasons why, but let's take an in-depth look at the term street fight. I think it would be fair to say that the majority of martial artists use the term street fight to differentiate between rule-bound consensual conflict such as one would find in the dojo of you know, sporting context, and real violence, i.e. the kind of violence that happens in the street. Now I can understand why the term the street is useful in marking uh, this differentiation and I've no problem with that. I can also understand that street fighting can be a useful term in the way that most people use it. Um, you know, these terms have a common usage and we can't deny that. You know, as an example, martial arts also has a common usage, you know, the term martial arts. Um, to my way of thinking, fighting and self-protection are different entities, with martial arts being the cultural, physical fitness and character development aspects of, of training. However, most use martial art as a, a cover-all term, you know? And, and I, you know. and I get that. It's hard to get away from that, because that's the way the term is used in, in everyday uh, speech, you know. Um, and now, most would also use the term martial art to apply it to karate. But if we've been strict with our terminology, karate is not a martial art. The word martial has its origins from Mars, the Roman god of war. Uh, martial, therefore, means warlike or related to war. And karate was not designed to be used by soldiers in war. It was designed to be used by civilians in self-protection. It's a civilian system, not a martial one. So the term martial arts has both common and specific uses and whereas I prefer to keep things very tight and specific, I have to acknowledge the everyday way in which these terms are used. You know, what I may mean by those terms is different from what you know people may mean by them in everyday speech. So when I question the term street fight, I want to make it clear that I'm I'm not uh, having a go here, I'm just putting forward my own way of thinking around the issue. I'm not saying the term "street fight" is necessarily problematic when it's used in its everyday sense, uh, providing the clarity is given around some of the issues we're now going to discuss. Now, personally, I don't use the term "street fight" within my direct teaching, as I feel it can lead to misunderstandings and confusion. And now to be clear as well, I don't see this as, as somewhere. I don't see this as splitting hairs or an obsession with semantics. Unclear terminology can be a symptom of unclear thinking, and unclear thinking can lead to unfocused training, which can lead to inappropriate actions in very dangerous situations. This isn't splitting hairs, but vitally important distinctions that do need to be acknowledged. As I see it, there are three key problems associated with the term "street fight," and I'd now like to address each of those in, in turn. So the first one: we don't want a fight. And more often than not, neither does the enemy. The use of the word fight infers that a physical response is the best, maybe even the only solution to the problem. The bottom line is that a fight is the last thing we want. We want to avoid, de-escalate, escape, preempt, and if all else fails, quickly incapacitate. We don't want a fight where the winner is decided by who is the best fighter. We should prioritise the non-physical aspects. And if it has to get physical, then we preempt. And if that doesn't provide the opportunity to escape, then we don't stand off, raise our guard and fight. We seek to incapacitate with brutal, explosive, aggressive and entirely one-way physical action. We don't want to fight, even when things get physical. You know what, And what's key to understand is that the enemy is highly unlikely to want to fight either. The criminal element does not play fair, but the will play smart. Whatever it is they want to get from you, ranging from your possessions to simply wanting to brutalise you, they want to get it in the simplest and the easiest way possible. And fighting you is not that way. They are most likely to use ambush, weapons, strength in numbers, you know. It'd be stupid of them to stand in front of you and go toe to toe. So, therefore, anticipating and preparing for a fight is not the right way to approach criminal violence. You know, To reiterate, I know many people who use the term street fight who get this and do approach the problem as it should be approached. However, many teachers and students don't fully understand that fighting skills are not what is required. And I am of the view that the term street fight can support this misunderstanding. Fighting is not the same as self-protection. And developing fighting skills to the exclusion of all else will not adequately prepare you to effectively deal with the criminal element. I and mean, we'll touch on this again later when we look at other points. The key here though, is that the term street fight infers that the way to win is to win the fight. Whereas in reality, we win by avoiding the fight, escaping and by not getting harmed. That's the objective. So the second point you know, is street fighting is illegal. Self-protection is legal. Now this is a big one. When teaching and training in self-protection, the law and legal ramifications should not be ignored. Now, often people give these lip service and throwaway lines, you know, but it needs to be an integrated part of what we do. Now, as Rory Miller succinctly explained in uh, Facing Violence, the phrase better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6 represents a false choice. It's entirely possible to keep yourself safe and stay on the right side of the law. We have a legal right to protect ourselves from the violence of others, and the law supports this. But we don't have a legal right to fight in the street. Um, As a quick aside, in some parts of the world, certain states in the the USA, for example, there exists mutual combat laws. Now, these laws are generally there to ensure that people hurting each other in the course of sporting events, such as boxing and wrestling matches, you know, so so it's legal, um, because it was consented to by all participants. So while on paper it can look that so long as both people consent to a street fight, they will be on the right side of the law, the reality is that they could very well be prosecuted for causing a public disturbance or something similar. So anyway, back to the core topic. We do have a legal right to protect ourselves. We do not have a legal right to fight in the street. Many of the people I know who found themselves in trouble with the law is because they were fighting as opposed to legitimately protecting themselves. Getting suckered into a fight because of ego, anger or poor judgement and alcohol often contributing to that poor judgement is not a good idea and it can have severe physical and legal ramifications. Uh, we should not think of it as a fight where the winner will be decided what, by you know, physical technique. Control of ego, keeping our cool, being smart, not fighting and staying on the right side of the law Our our objectives. And they're the means by which we truly win. Another thing, you know, it's a huge mistake to say there are no rules in the street. There are rules. There are rules in the form of laws which can have very severe consequences if you fail to abide by them. Approaching civilian self-protection as a no-rules street fight results in the legal side of things often being completely ignored. To be thoroughly prepared, training needs to ensure an effective response in line with the law of the land. Additionally, it needs to cover what happens after the physical event too. Students should be educated in the law, their responsibilities, their rights, what they should and should not do after the incident. If we're ignoring all of this, we're setting our students up to find themselves in big trouble legally. You know, um, A street-fighting approach is not only likely to ignore the law, it actually runs contrary to it. Self-protection is legal. Street fighting is illegal. It is very important that people understand this difference and hence fully appreciate that winning a street fight is not the same as legally protecting ourselves. Now if you're a martial arts instructor listening to this, you need to educate yourself about the law. Because what I find, as someone who does understand the law pretty well, or at least UK law pretty well, is that most martial arts instructors don't and they perpetuate myths to the students. They perpetuate the idea that they're likely to be prosecuted if they defend themselves and they're supposed to expect to adjudge to a, a nice the level of force used or they're supposed to make sure that uh, you know you can't hit first, you're not allowed to preempt. UK law, I feel, is very good. It acknowledges that you can get things wrong. It acknowledges that you will be under stress. It acknowledges that it is unreasonable. This is a direct quote. It is unreasonable to expect a man to judge to a nicety the level of force used it acknowledges that we can preempt so if we if we familiarize ourselves with the law we can reassure our students about it we can ensure our training is accordance with it um, and we're unlikely then to find ourselves in trouble you know physically or legally so it's, it's important it's done and you know approaching it like a street fight and just ignoring the laws is, is, is not a good idea and so the third problem is the term street fighting infers that a fighting method, uh, mythology, is the appropriate physical response to violence. Now there are many differences between fighting and the violence associated with crime. Now I could do a full podcast on this, probably even a full series of podcasts, but I'll quickly touch on some key points. Um, but before I do, the first thing we need to address is that many martial artists are blind to this fact. Because they only have experience of one kind of violence, that of the consensual fight. They fight each other in the dojo, in a ring, in a cage, on a mat, and they get very good at what works in that context. When it's pointed out to them that things don't transfer across wholesale, they protest. Because they know what they do works, they know it works, they have experience of making it work. The trouble is that what works is always dependent upon context. It's not enough to ask if something works or not, we need to ask the vital question of, works for what? Now fighting is often very cerebral. The combatants quickly you know, think through the tactics and their actions, they identify patterns and potential flaws in their opponents' methods, and they seek to exploit those flaws. The violence associated with self-protection is far more emotional and it's far more explosive. You know, when we fight, we put up a guard, we move around and we look for openings. Self-protection is much closer and primarily consists of a frantic, frantic attacking and frantic counter-attacking. Fighting skills such as blocking, trapping, slipping, bobbing and weaving, etc. therefore have a very limited role to play. You know, when we fight, we seek to provoke uh, trained responses. Uh, We effectively seek to play physical chess. You know, it's fun, we all enjoy it, you know. But in self-protection, we don't have an enemy interested in playing. Nor do we have an enemy who plays as expected or by the rules. And the result is seeming chaos. We need to embrace and prepare for that chaos. Uh, The complementary methods we often see when fighting don't prepare us for the chaos of criminal violence. Now, you know, to be fair, many who use the term street fight feel that the street part is what marks the differentials we've just been discussing. However, most who use the term don't get these differences and feel that a street fight is just a fight in the street. And for those people, the fight part of street fight can support and bolster these dangerous misunderstandings and there's, you know, many more misunderstandings besides. Um, As I said at the start of this podcast, many people who use the term street fighting do so because of what it's taken to mean in everyday speech. I have many good friends and people who I admire who use the term with a full appreciation of the issues raised in this podcast. You know, My criticisms aren't aimed at those people or what they do. My concern is the way the vast majority of martial artists use the term street fighting and consider street fighting to be synonymous with self-protection. I feel it produces unclear thinking, which in turn leads to potentially dangerous practices. A true street fight is a foolish and illegal activity. True self-protection is legal and just. By preparing for one, we're not preparing for the other. True civilian self-protection should focus on the skills needed to avoid, escape and defuse situations. It should be in accordance with the law of the land and include what to do after the event. If physical action is required, the last thing we want is a fight. In the first instance, we should strike preemptively with a view to facilitating escape. And if that's not possible, we still don't want to fight. But we instead aim to incapacitate with one-way explosive aggressive action. While fighting skills have some crossover value, and you know they have value in and of themselves. You know, physical self-protection is very different from fighting. It's closer, faster, more emotional, and way more chaotic. The techniques and tactics used to win a fight are a far from an ideal fit when it comes to the physical side of self-protection. In light of all of this, I feel the term "street fighting" is problematic, as it inadvertently supports many potentially dangerous notions and misunderstandings. You know, if we do use it, then it needs to be used carefully. However, for me and mine, it's a term that I've chosen to strike from uh, our lexicon. Street fighting is not a part of my practice. It's not a part of my teaching. We focus on civilian self-protection, and we also train in fighting too. However, we're careful to mark the demarcation between the two. Our approach to civilian self-protection covers more than just the physical. We cover awareness, avoidance, de-escalation, the law. Uh, We know that these things are what is needed to provide a truly effective solution to the problems of crime and violence. When it comes to the physical side of self-protection we don't you know aim to fight to win but we fight to escape and we fight to keep ourselves safe. We don't need to win the fight. What we need to, to, to truly win is to entirely avoid anything that even resembles a fight. Now even when things get physical it's not a fight we seek but fast and explosive incapacitation. There's no distance, no guards, no feints, no back and forth, nothing that looks like a fight. Thinking self-protection and street fighting are one and the same is dangerous thinking which can lead to dangerous practice. Approaching self-protection with a fighting methodology runs counter to the objective and is likely to lead to a failure to avoid conflict, avoid physical harm and is going to give us legal difficulties. Street fighting is not legal, it's not just and it's not the same as self-protection, which is legal and is just. You know, we need to think long and hard about the terminology we use. In particular we need to ask if that terminology reflects or creates unclear thinking and unfocused practice whether you wish to use the term street fighting or not is obviously a personal matter but i would suggest that all the terminology we use needs to be carefully considered you know whatever way you decide to go you know i hope you found some of the considerations expressed in this podcast useful Well, I hope you enjoyed that and found it of some uh, value. Uh, thanks once again for listening in. I really do appreciate everyone's ongoing support of these podcasts. As much as I enjoy putting them together, there'd be little point in doing that if no one was listening to them. So I'm I'm very grateful to everyone who does listen, and in particular those uh, I'm grateful to those who spread the word on the the podcasts. Obviously, you know, every time you you share information about these podcasts with a friend, it helps our listenership go up, our numbers go up, and obviously that helps me uh, keep putting these uh, podcasts out. As I often say again, these podcasts are entirely free to to listen to, we put them out for free, but they're not free to make. So I'm also grateful to those who buy the books, the DVDs, the downloads, who uh, come along to the seminars, because it's you guys who keep, you know, all the free online videos and the podcasts and stuff, it's you people who ensure that I'm in a position where I'm still able to uh, to do that, you know. And also, if you remember, on the shopping side of ianabernethy.com, there is a donation option if you want to kind of drop us, a you know, a few pounds or a few dollars or whatever to help us keep doing this, then obviously all supports uh gratefully uh, received. Um, but yeah, main thing is, you know, thanks for listening. I really do uh, appreciate it. And uh, as you may have noticed, we have new music this month. <laughs> so I just thought, you know, I'd try something a little bit different. So I quite like this theme tune it's uh, very me i do like it so we may stick with this one for a little while so you know as usual drop me your thoughts all right so thanks once again i'll be back uh, very soon with a new podcast uh, obviously keep you if you want you know your themes for the podcast drop me emails let me know what you want and i'll i'll do my best to uh, to accommodate everybody all right thanks for all your support have a great month folks and i'll speak to you soon bye now bye bye